for a little something extra from the apple seed. And now, here's your host, Sam Payne. What a pleasure to have you with us, and what a pleasure to be joined in studio by a couple of folks. I'm going to introduce one of them, and I'm going to have her introduce the other one. The one I'm going to introduce <laughs> is Caroline Coppersmith. You know Caroline. She's a member of our Appleseed family, one of our assistant producers. Caroline, great to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks, Sam. And you have invited a guest. I have, and I love her very much. She's one of my <laughs> dearest friends, Kate Bradley. We met a couple years ago, and we instantly clicked on all sorts of things. Oh, isn't true. that great when yeah. you meet somebody like that? Kate, yeah. it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and, and you chose a story for us to listen to today. This is a Rick Huddle story. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, uh, Rick talks about uh, his experience trying to get uh, language qualifications when he's living in Mexico. Uh. And he's trying to improve his his language skills, and so he takes to poetry. So he writes some poetry and plans to perform it at, like, an open mic night. And it doesn't go as exactly as planned, um, and it's, it's pretty funny and pretty relatable if you've ever <laughs> been to a foreign country or traveled at all. So, Do either of you speak a, a second language? We both speak Spanish. You both speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. yeah. I also speak Spanish. Oh, yeah. well, que okay. chévere. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a story called Chili's con Café, right, by Rick Huddle. And we're going to listen to it here on The Appleseed. I'd gone to Mexico for a whole month. I spent just a few days in Mexico City. And the rest of the time, I was going to spend in Oaxaca, this artsy colonial town down in the mountains with big cathedrals and cobblestone streets. I've had a dream ever since I was in high school to live and work in a foreign country. It's this thing, I want to think of myself not only as a citizen of the United States, but as a citizen of the entire world. And this trip would be one step towards that dream. When I got into Oaxaca, I signed up for some Spanish classes and the school set me up with a place to stay. It was an old ranch house that had been converted into an inn or a posada for us students. To get inside, we would go through a metal security gate that opened into a courtyard. And our rooms were along the outside of this courtyard. My room, I think previously, had been a stable or a garage or something. It had this large wooden sliding door. And I really loved that door. It, it was so thick and heavy. It felt like it had a history of its own. To open the door, they gave me a skeleton key, which was cool at first, but... I got annoyed with after a while because sometimes it would take me 15 minutes to open the lock. When I was down there, I did want to live like a Mexican as much as possible. And so while a lot of the other students would go out in these big groups at night, go to the bars and go dancing, I avoided that because they would speak in English. And I always looked for different things to do. And this one afternoon I saw a I saw a notice outside a cafe that said Poesia esta noche. And I thought this is perfect an open mic poetry night. This will be a great chance for me to practice my Spanish. So I wrote down a poem in Spanish and took it to the cafe that night. And walking through that door it felt like I was entering another world. The walls were dark red, smoke was hanging from the ceiling. It was lit by candles. The guy who was in charge of the night had this black turtleneck on and a scruffy beard. And in between the poems, he would play these slow romantic ballads on the classical guitar. I didn't feel like I was in Mexico anymore, but in San Francisco in the early 60s, in the height of the beat generation. 
Well, it turned out it wasn't a read-your-own kind of night that night. Uh, a bookish woman in stylish glasses got up and read some Jose Marti, the Cuban revolutionary. And then a guy who was probably 25 or 26, and he kind of looked like Benicio del Toro, he got up and recited some Pablo Neruda from memory. La noche en la isla. Toda la noche lo miro contigo. Y el despertar, tu boca, salida de tu sueño, me dio el sabor de tierra, de agua marina, de algas, del fondo de tu vida. Y recibí tu beso, mojado por la aurora, como si me llegara del mar que nos rodea. The night on the island. All night long I have slept with you. And upon waking, your mouth, exit of your dreams, gave me the taste of the earth, of the salt water, of the seaweed, of the depths of your life. And I received your kiss, moistened by the dawn, as if it came to me from the sea that surrounds us. Well, there was no way I was going to read my poem after that. But I stayed the rest of the night. It was fun to listen to the poems and and people watch. And when I got back to my posada and opened that big, heavy sliding door, I reread my poem. And while it's certainly no Pablo Neruda, I feel like it has its own certain charm to it. Estoy caminando por la acera. I'm walking on the sidewalk. Algo empieza a pasar. Something starts to happen. The chilies from the back breakfast are mixing with coffee and starting una reacción. It's eight blocks to the posada. There are no bathrooms between acá y allá. It's not far, but don't tell yourself that. It only makes it worse. Imagine that you have a long, long way to go. I knew I shouldn't have had that last piece of tortilla for breakfast. But before I left for Mexico, a friend of mine, he told me, Rick, siempre diga sí. Always say yes. You're in a new culture. You should proba cosas nuevas. Try new things. Vive. Live. Nunca digo no. Never say no. Siempre diga sí. Always say yes. So when the waiter came over and asked me if I wanted that last piece of tortilla, the one with a little chili on it, I looked him straight in the eyes and I said, Si. Si. But now, I'm not sure if I should walk fast or slow. I just hope nobody's at the posada. I don't have to talk or think in Spanish and say, Buenas tardes, o como estas, o necesito usar el baño. And I get through that metal security gate. Gracias, Dios, nobody's home. And get up to my door. Esta puerta. Odio esta puerta. And I finally get in and llegue. I made it. And I hear myself say, Si. Si. And then I think, Maybe. Maybe sometimes it's okay to say thank you, but no. <laughs> Rick Huddle with a near emergency. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what a, what a, what a, lo- as I listen to this story, I think about, you know, he's talking about opportunities to practice his Spanish and stuff like that. And, and it made me think of when I was learning to speak a second language and how, how, how clear my thoughts seemed because I had to be so careful in translating them into a language that I was still learning, right? Mm-hmm. That, that trying to be clear with my language, trying to be clear with my words in that language required me to 
to pay more attention to my thoughts. Than yeah, I yeah. When I was learning know. Spanish for the first time, I like thought I was maybe a better, not like I was very good at speaking Spanish, but, but I was a better speaker of Spanish than I was of English because I didn't know necessarily how to use the slang. I didn't rely on shortcuts to get my meanings across. I used very academic words because that's all I had been taught. And my thoughts were very clear, just like you said. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, when, you act, when you're actually speaking a language, you're speaking like the people speak. So yeah, yeah. being good at speaking a language is communicating with, you know, native speakers, not, you know, your Spanish teacher in 11th grade yeah, who's never yeah. been anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Spanish teachers, we apologize. Oh, yes. We know you've been places. Yes, this so is that's... true. This is true. I apologize. <laughs> that's funny. Kate, you, you, you also speak a second language. I do. I speak Spanish. I lived in Guatemala yeah. for some time. And I love his description of Mexico because I find... It just brought back images of what huh. Guatemala was yeah, and how beautiful the old part of town and everything was. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we carry the, those those images with us mm-hmm. from places that we've been and they crop up in kind of the, in, in some interesting ways, you know, things that we thought that we had forgotten will come back to us yeah. in a, in a yeah. smell or in a word or in a phrase. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it's really great. Yeah. It's I've really never great. actually, I'm, I'm one to talk. Uh, because I have never actually been to a Spanish-speaking country, and like, but I have traveled, and part of those images were like universal travelers' images, where yeah. there's something, there's like a door or a lock or a fence or something that keeps you out, and you don't know how it works. And I yep. feel like I have a friend, just along the latter part of the story, I have a friend whose favorite phrase to say about traveling is, "You haven't truly traveled until you've almost had an emergency and haven't made it to the bathroom. <laughs> You're not like a tried and true traveler until it's gotten that close." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, what what I thought of as I was listening to him talk about his I- I- experience at Poetry Night, right? I was in uh, Tokyo one time, and I was there to play music with my jazz band. And uh, we went to a little club, and we were going to play later on in the night at the club. But the band before us... Man, this little Japanese jazz trio that they were just fantastic. And and I didn't speak, speak a word of Japanese. I still mm-hmm. don't speak a word of Japanese. And we were sitting there and we were just enjoying this music and a a a, a lovely young woman went up to the band and she had some sheet music with her and and she she kind of said something to the band and they took the sheet music and then they played and she sang and I thought, "Oh, maybe this is that kind of night." in that kind of place. Maybe maybe what this is, is people from the house can go up and say, hey, I, I know this such and such a song and they'll play it. And you know, I thought maybe this is that kind of club, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I walked up there and I don't, you don't look at me and go, that guy can probably sing. <laughs> so I walked up, and I'm certainly not a lovely young woman. And I, and I, and I walked up to the band and I said, hey, I mean, I, I sort of using a friend of mine who spoke Japanese and, and, and I sort of communicated to them that I wanted to sing something with them. And they all rolled their eyes. And I realized... I realized that this was not that kind of place, not that kind of night, and that the young woman who had gotten that opportunity had gotten that opportunity precisely because she was a lovely young woman. And, mm-hmm. But the band kind of rolled their eyes and said, okay, well, I don't know. And so we did a song together. And again, I, you don't look at me and go, that guy can sing, right? But I can sing. And I, and I, I mean, that's what I was there for. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, we did this number together, and the band all kind of looked at each other, and the, the song was over, and they said, 
you want to do another one? And so we wound up doing like a, a like a 30 minute set together, you know, which was so one of the one of the great experiences of my life. This music that had traveled the world, even though we didn't speak each other's language. Yeah. And but but we could communicate because we knew the same songs, mm-hmm. you know. It, yeah. it was great. When it was all over, I got to tell you, the place went wild. They thought, ah, it was, it was like being a rock star, you know. And I went back to my seat and everybody's like, you know, slapping me on the back and stuff like that. And I got back to my seat and I thought, man, that was fantastic. And I grabbed my glass of water and I threw it back and it was my neighbor's vodka. <laughs> <laughs> it was a horrible experience. It was I, a horrible experience. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't drink, so... so. Well, actually, speaking of the universal languages, uh, Kate was telling me a little bit about how she used humor to bridge the gap when she wasn't really confident with her language yet in Guatemala. Tell us about that, Kate. Um, So I often refer to or defer to humor when I can't get my point across, especially in Spanish. And so there was this one time where I was moving to a different place in Guatemala and I couldn't people had told me three or four times what the name of this place was called. And for the life of me, I just couldn't seem to get my mouth to pronounce the words. <laughs> and I realized, though, the name was Saculeos. That was the town. And I realized that Leos sounds similar to the word lejos, which means far away right. in Spanish. And so people would come up to me and say, where are you going? And I would say, I'm going to Saculeos. And look at them with finger guns. Like, eh? <laughs> and they would kind of look at this tiny white girl with a confused look on their face. But they would get it and laugh a little bit and walk away. And mm. in my mind, I'd go, oh, phew. <laughs> because at least one person walked away thinking that I knew what I was talking about. And I was just making a joke. Yeah, yeah. I'd often use humor that way. That's funny. I think he does, too. <laughs> in, in traveling and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a good skill to have. I would, I mean, every time, so I, I went to Italy for a very, like, short little time um, recently, and I would just try so hard to say one or two words in Italian, and I, I wanted so bad to be part of it, and usually they'd be like, they'd correct me and then look at me like, you know, I'll I'll pity give this to you. Yes, you can have this drink or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, thank you. Please don't ever talk to me again. I'm going to giggle until you walk away. <laughs> but I think you know sometimes when you say to somebody in a in a when you're in a place where they speak another language and you don't, my experience is, is my experience has been that if I say. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Help me. <laughs> that they're often willing to. Oh, yeah. You know, those are some really lovely yeah. experiences sometimes. You mm-hmm. know? Those yeah. are great times. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, we have a, I'm thinking about, Kate, what, what you said about living in Guatemala. And we, um, once upon a time, our listeners will remember Cassie Schreiber, one of our assistant producers, who was of Guatemalan parentage. Mm. But for one reason or another, had... Uh, distanced herself from her Guatemalan heritage, Mm -hmm. wasn't interested in being perceived as Guatemalan. In fact, was interested in not being perceived as Guatemalan. And only recently in her life, she started to get to know, to a greater degree, her cousins who had gone the other way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her cousins of Guatemalan parentage who had embraced their Guatemalan mm-hmm. heritage and tried to learn as much about it as they could. Mm-hmm. And as she got to know these cousins, she she thought, gosh, the, the way that I have chosen to live is pretty impoverished. And now 
I now I am interested. My my heart is now open to mm-hmm. that's a that's a conversation that you can find, in fact, in our archive at www.byuradio.org slash appleseed. The episode is in fact called Guatemala. <laughs> so mm-hmm. You can take a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. reminds me. I have uh, um, some Italian heritage. Not a lot. I, my great grandparents were from Italy, so mm. um, I have the nose and about. That's it. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I, I struggle and grasp at it because I want it to be closer than it is. So, so much, and it is just sad because my my great grandparents and their children were kind of taught by their neighborhoods to kind of keep it in and and try to integrate into, uh-huh. you know, American culture and not be too Italian and not be suspicious and not, um, you know, speak their language. They, my, my grandma spoke Italian all the way to until she went to school and then she promptly forgot it. And, and that was just kind of the way things were done because uh, they wanted to embrace and, and integrate. And so I just think, uh, I don't know, we have a lot of people today who really love to look back and think about the different countries and the diversity in their family tree. And I just, I wish everybody had always felt that proud of where they came yeah. from. Yeah. Really my that. grandfather, my great grandfather's Greek immigrant and my grandfather who still maintained ties and connections with his family in Greece uh, in the last years of his life would would offer to me to write a letter of introduction uh, to my who are you know these people who are my Greek cousins who I've never met. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take him up on that. Uh, one thing got in the way or another and you find yourself not Babel or, you know, you, you don't make room for the trip to Greece, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then my grandfather passed away. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's been a an opportunity lost there. Now I can still go to Greece and meet my cousins and things like that. My mother has and things like that. And uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Before you, right here on the radio, <laughs> I'm saying maybe I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll do it. Don't ask me about it. <laughs> That's right. I hope that I'll do it. I hope that I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Fun to listen to this Rick Huddle story about language, about being in a new place, about some of the trials and emergencies that arise (laughs) as you're living in another place. And great to have Kate with us today. Thanks, Kate, for joining us. Oh, thank you for letting me be here. And, of course, always happy to have Caroline Coppersmith with us. Caroline, thanks for joining us as well. You are welcome. Glad to be here. And we always hope that the stories that we bring you on the show spark memories for you that you can share with the people that you love, maybe even the people with whom you're listening to the program today. You can download the BYU Radio app to take us with you on your mobile device. In fact, that app will give you all kinds of great ways to listen to all of the programs produced by BYU Radio. The Appleseed is pleased and proud to be part of that family of programs. You can find us online at www.byuradio.org Appleseed or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks so much for taking great stories with you on your mobile device and sharing them with your family. We'll see you next time. I'm Sam Payne. Thanks for joining us for a little something extra from the Appleseed. Google the Appleseed podcast and subscribe for something new just about every day. The Appleseed with Sam Payne.